Thank you, Gloria. One of my favorite songs. You know, I never sang that song until coming here where we had the red book. It wasn't any of the other books that I ever sang from or anything like that, but it's become one of my favorite songs. And the chorus says, Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin and stain, my guilt and despair, he took on him there and Calvary covers it all. All our sins today are under the blood of Christ. The devil would like to remind us of our sins, but God has put up a sign, no fishing. You can't go back and look at those things. It's all under his blood. And we thank the Lord for that. And thank the Lord for Gloria, who plays so beautifully for us at the piano so faithfully. And we love her very much. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us so much as to send your Son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, to wash away our sins, to put them away forever, remove them as far as the east is from the west, to put them behind your back, to blot them out like a dark cloud, to forgive them, to cleanse them. We are so thankful, Lord, that we are forgiven. And we have a hope before us of being in your presence forever and ever. It's a blessed hope. And we know that you're coming back, Lord Jesus, to take us home to be with yourself. And we look forward to that. Until then, please encourage our hearts. Help us to have this hope always before our eyes. We pray, Lord, now that you'll speak to our hearts through your word, through the Holy Spirit. Please hide me behind the cross. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes you hear on the news, whether it's on the radio or you may see it on the Internet or on television, people committing suicide at alarming rates. Young people, teenagers with a whole life ahead of them, killing themselves. Our soldiers coming back from wartime with the traumatic experiences they've had, committing suicide at high rates. Younger people, older people. Why is this? Why is it that people are killing themselves? I think the answer, in a, in a very simplistic way, there are many factors, of course, to it, but they have lost the will to live because they have no hope. They have no hope. They see no way out of their situation but to kill themselves. And that's a lie of the devil to think that they can end their pain by killing themselves. Believe me, we are eternal creatures. We will live on in eternity, either with the Lord forever in heaven or apart from Him in hell forever. No one just dies and that's it. We have a hope as Christians to hold on to. A hope that is secure in Christ. As the hymn writer said, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And we live in a world that is full of sinking sand. People that are miserable, hopeless, nothing to live for. And what really spoke to me this week as I was reading on this Christian website that I found, it's called ChristianHeadlineNews.com. And I have it as my website at home, my homepage. And it has Christian stories about all over the world. The new Australian prime minister is a born-again Christian. And you hear about Christian news, good news, and things like that on this website. Well, this was not such good news I read. It was a tragic story of a pastor, of a thriving megachurch, 
that had a wife and three boys who committed suicide. And I was just stunned by that. I was floored by that. I said, how could a pastor do that? Now, we don't know the circumstances. We don't know what went on. But it was it's a sad, tragic story. His name is Andrew Stockline, married with three boys. And his wife posted a remarkable tribute to her husband on the on online. And she closed with these words. And this woman, I believe, knows the Lord because the way she she writes this is beautiful. She says, until we meet again, I cling to my father in heaven. He will carry me through every second of every day. And every hour, she continues to say of God, you got this. And so many times in our lives, when we face trouble and trauma and tribulation and all these things that we go through and tragedy in our lives, the only person we can really hold on to in those times is the Lord. And we get discouraged. We get down sometimes when things happen, but we don't give up because we have hope. In Jesus Christ. And when your hope is in Christ, you have a solid rock to hold on to in the hardest times of life. In our society today, the problem is, and the reason why all these things are happening and you see them on the news and everything, is because society as a whole, not just in the United States, but throughout the world, have shut God out. They've kicked Him out. They've left Him out of their lives. No more will they let God in the schools. They don't allow prayer anymore. They, they've taken the Bible out. They've taken the pr- prayers out. They've taken any mention of God out. And if you bring up Jesus Christ, no, they won't have it. You can talk about any other religious leader. You can talk about any other religion. But as soon as you mention Jesus Christ, oh no, we can't have that. And it goes to show when the truth is the truth and Jesus Christ is the truth, People are going to not want to hear it. But he's the only one. Our Savior is the only one who can give you hope, who can give you encouragement, who can be your confidence and help in times of need. The title of our message, as as I mentioned this morning, is Something Worth Living For. And I was here at the church yesterday and figuring we should have a song that goes with it. And this, and I was been thinking about hope and everything, and I found this song, and I sent Gloria the the message about we'll have this song something worth living for. My question to you is this, as you sit here this morning in this congregation, can you answer that question? Do I have something worth living for? Now, you may look at your life and you say, I've got wonderful children. I've got a wonderful spouse. I've got a wonderful job. I've got a wonderful career. I've got friends. I've got family. Yes, it's very, very good. But you can have all of those things. But if you don't have Christ in your life, you don't have anything. You don't have anything of substance. You look on some of these these websites and you see these stories of these Hollywood actors and actresses. They have everything you would ask for in this world. And yet they're miserable. They live miserable lives. They have the same kind of life everybody else has who doesn't know the Lord. And when things happen in their life, they suffer. I think of the story told in John chapter 4 of a man, of our Savior who visited Samaria and he, it says he had to pass through Samaria because there was a woman there. A woman in need. 
A woman who was lost, who had no hope, who went to the, to the well to, to draw water at a time of day when nobody else would be around because of the shame that she had. Because you see, she had been married six times. In those days, that's like scandalous. Nowadays, if someone has been married six times, you're, you're up there with Elizabeth Taylor, but I mean, it's like people don't really think that much about it. But in these days, this woman had six, six different husbands she was married to. And then Jesus knew that the man she was living with now was not even her husband. He saw right through her, not with a spirit of judgment and condemnation, but knowing that he was the answer to her need. He was the one who could give her that hope and salvation and touch her life in such a way. And so when he spoke to this woman about living water, not the water coming out of Jacob's well, because she would always have to come every day and draw water from that well. But he says, I'm going to give you water that you have never seen before. It's, it's heavenly water. It's not water from this well because people that drink from this well are going to thirst again. But I'm going to give you living water that when you drink that water, you'll never become thirsty again. And that's what he did. And she went into the city and she told the people of Samaria, all the neighbors and family members and friends, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? And they came out and they told her, They came to hear Jesus and they said, well, when you told us, we were pretty amazed about what you said. But now we know it's true when we heard him for ourselves, when we saw him for ourselves. When you hear about Jesus, it's a beautiful thing. But when you experience him in your life and you take him as your personal Lord and Savior and he changes your life. Now you don't just hear it with your ear. You feel it with your heart. You your life has changed. And we can thank God that only God can change our hearts. Only God can change our lives and save our souls. And he can do it. And he loves us so much. And so we're going to look at this subject this morning, something worth living for. And we're going to look at three points today. Number one, meaning. The Lord Jesus Christ has given us meaning to our lives. Number two, he's given us purpose for our lives. And number three, he's given us fulfillment for our lives. I think of several characters in the Bible whose lives were changed by the Lord. And they were in the same situation. They had no hope. They were unsaved. They were going about their lives and their businesses and so forth. Until the day they met the Savior. And when they met him, they were never the same again. I think of Saul of Tarsus, who later became known as, as, as Paul, the apostle. He was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians. He hated the Christians. He wanted to persecute them, put them into prison, even put them to death. But the Lord saved him, knocked him off his horse, blinded him, and sent him into the city. And then he was transformed, baptized, And then he went on to preach the gospel in such a powerful way and become one of the greatest Christians to ever live. And then there was Peter and Andrew, James and John. They all were fishermen there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord called them with two words, follow me, follow me, just two words. And they left everything behind. James and John left their father in the boat with the fishing business, left it behind. Peter and Andrew 
left it behind. And they went on to serve the Lord because their lives were transformed. Now they had something worth living for. And then when you think about Zacchaeus, our dear friend Zacchaeus, don't you want to meet him one day in heaven, this little short man who went up into the tree so he could see Jesus as Jesus was coming by? And much to his surprise, Jesus was right under the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I must come to your house today. Me? You'll come to my house? I'm a tax collector. I'm hated. I'm hated by the Jews and I'm hated by the Romans. Why would you come to my house, Jesus? Well, why does he love any of us? He loves us because God loves us. And he, he loves everyone. And he wants to save everyone. And Zacchaeus' life was changed. And then I think of that woman. Her name is not mentioned in the eighth chapter of John, but she was known as the woman taken in adultery. They brought her before Jesus to condemn her. They wanted to use her as a pawn to see what Jesus is going to say. Is he going to condemn her because the law condemned her? Or is he going to say, no, it's okay, which would then condemn him? They thought they had him, right? But Jesus said, he who is without sin among you cast the first stone. And then one by one, they all went off and left Jesus in the midst with the woman. And what a change he made in her. He saved her. And imagine the hope and the peace and the relief of being forgiven of her sins. She was so close to death and being stoned to death. And now Jesus is showing her mercy and grace and forgiveness. And that's what he does for us too. Someone once said, life is, is worth live, is not worth living until we find something worth dying for. And Jesus is worth living for, and He's worth dying for. He's our Savior, and He has given us eternal life. People waste their time with the foolish things of this world, with the mundane things of this earth, and they get dragged down by it when Jesus is there to give them eternal life. One of my favorite verses, and this is our main text this morning, is Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. Here the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians. We studied it when we, Adel brought us the studies and we've all read it many times, but, and it's a common verse, but it says, Paul writing to the Philippians, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a no lose situation. It's an all-win situation. To live for Christ is a great blessing on this earth. And to die in Christ and to go to be with Him is a great blessing too. So to live is Christ and to die is gain. So let's look this morning, first of all, at our first point, meaning. He's given meaning to our lives. You know, people down through the centuries have tried almost every kind of religion every kind of philosophy, every kind of humanistic thought, because they want to know what is the meaning of life. And probably everyone has asked themselves that question at some time in their life. Why am I here on this earth? What is my, what does life mean anyway? What does my life mean? What do I contribute to it? Why am I here? And down through the centuries, people have been searching for that. And I think people are searching for it today, maybe more than ever before. What is the meaning of life? Because life seems so hopeless. It seems so so terrible in all the things that are happening in this world. But Jesus came 
to give us life and life more abundantly. He came to give us eternal life, life with him forever. And so that is what life is really about. He originally created you and I to have fellowship with him and to glorify him. And sin came in and marred that whole situation completely. And yet when Jesus Christ came, he came to save us and to change our lives and to put us back on the right course so that we can serve the Lord and glorify him. Many people today talk about having a bucket list. Have you ever heard of people talk about that, right? I don't know if anybody in our audience today has a bucket list. Things they want to do before they die. Places they want to see before they die. People they want to meet before they die. And I was thinking about that. You know, when you're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, you really don't need a bucket list, do you? Really? Because he's given us everything we need right now. The Bible says he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's given us a hope. He's given us eternal life. He's given us all spiritual blessings in Christ. We have everything. And when we get to heaven, we're going to see all the Christians who ever lived, all the different people from the Old Testament, from the New Testament. We're going to meet them and talk to them. And so having a bucket list like this on earth to me, I mean, it's not really needed. But when you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, he brings meaning to your life. He brings hope to your life. You see that there's there's a reason for your being here. And when things happen to you in your life, there's a reason for it. There's a meaning to it. It's not just a random set of circumstances that affect us. Things happening by accident or happening by chance. When you're a child of God, he knows what's going to happen in our lives. And he works things together for the good. And we can thank the Lord for that. And we thank the Lord for the hymn writer said, Satisfied with thee, Lord Jesus, losing sight of all but thee. Oh, what joy thy presence gives us, calling up our hearts to thee. When you're saved and you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior and you have him in your heart, you have true meaning in your life. You know where you've come from and you know where you're going to and you're at peace because your sins are forgiven and you have hope and eternal life. It's a blessing and we're so thankful for that. This world is not all there is. Can you imagine if there was all that we had for eternity, it it ended at our death and so there was nothing more into eternity and you just lived your life and then you died. That would be sad. That would be really, really sad. But God didn't make things that way. He's an eternal God. And he made us as eternal creatures. And as God, he made us in his image. And we have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. Even though the world reverses it and calls it body, soul, and spirit, they put it exactly backwards from the scriptures. The scripture says spirit comes first, then soul, then body. And that should be the priority. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. God is a faithful God. And he has a life ahead of us that's even better than this life. Now, we have, many of us, so many blessings as Christians, 
but it's just a little foretaste. We're going to have so much a greater life in heaven, and that's going to be so great. And there's meaning for the child of God. He has taken us who were once his enemies, and he's made us his children, sons of God and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. He's given our lives meaning. You know, people nowadays, they want to achieve the American dream. They want to own a home. They want to have kids, grandkids. They want to have success and wealth and all these things. And there's nothing wrong with them whatsoever as long as you have the right perspective and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and put Him first, make Him the Lord of your life. Then when He gives you all these other things, it's like the cherry on top of the cake, right? It's a blessing. But when people leave Christ out of their lives, they leave God out of their lives and go for all these other things, all it leads to is misery and sorrow because you're pursuing things that can never make you happy, that can never bring meaning to your life whatsoever. And as Christians, it's not because we're smarter than other people and it's not because we're better than other people. No, it's because God's grace has has come into our life. We have accepted him. And so many times we say, why did you love me, Lord? Why did you save me? Why? What was in me that you saw to save me? Well, there isn't anything. We can't point to anything good in ourselves whatsoever. Paul even says that in the seventh chapter of Romans. In me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. And so even so, I mean, there's nothing good in us, but he loved us. And he still loves us and he'll always love us, eternally loving us. So that's our first point this morning, meaning. He gives meaning to our lives. We know from the word of God. Secondly, he gives us a purpose in life. Everybody is trying to find a purpose for why they are doing things and what they're doing. And God has left us here for a purpose. Now, when we get saved, he could have easily said, okay, I'm going to take you home to heaven right now. Come with me. You're saved now. Your sins are forgiven. But he doesn't do it. Why did God leave us here? What's the purpose? The purpose is so that we can tell others how they can be saved too. And the purpose is so that we can serve him out of love for him so that we can further his kingdom while here on earth. Yes, we serve the Lord. And it reminds us, of course, of those words of Joshua in the Old Testament in the 24th chapter of Joshua and how he says to the people, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, Joshua didn't put it on a sign on his door like we have it. I like that sign, though. I have one on my door, too. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't have that on his door, but he had it on his heart. He had it on his heart. And those folks in the Old Testament, they didn't have the written word like we did, although they put little things on their frontlets and they'd wear them over their um, uh, foreheads and so forth with the word of God in it because they would pass the word on mostly from word of mouth. We are privileged to have the Bible, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And it's such a blessing. And, you know, God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. And it may be slightly different for you than it is for me because he has a plan and he has a purpose. But we can all thank him for Romans 8.28. It's one of my favorite verses and I'm sure one of yours as well. It says, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. 
Now, you can't take that verse out of context or, and, and, and skew it to say, well, everything's going to work out for me. Doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter what I say. No. It's for those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. So if you're saved and you're walking with the Lord, then everything you do, God's going to work it together for the good. He's going to transform it. He's going to use it in, in your life and in the lives of others. As we said, things don't happen by random chance. No, God brings these things into our lives for a reason. And of course, one of our favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, 11. Many of us know this verse very well, memorized it. For I said, And this is the New King James Version. It says it a little different in the NIV and so forth and other versions. But it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And some version says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you uh, peace and not evil and to give you a future and a hope. And we're thankful for that that he has given us that hope that we can cling to and hold on to. You know, they say if you ever go out boating, be sure to have a life preserver. I hear it all the time on the radio, take the life preserver, and invariably, every summer, there's somebody that thinks, I don't need the life preserver. I'm going to be okay. I can go out boating. I know how to swim. I'm confident in myself. And sure enough, they drown. Because they didn't have the life preserver. Jesus Christ is the true life preserver. He's the one that we are saved by him. We need him. We can't be like the person like that boater says, well, I don't need it. I'm fine. I can do it myself. You can't. You can't save yourself. Only Christ can save you through his shed blood on Calvary's cross. And may the Lord encourage us to have that as our hope today. So many people lose hope today. They they give up hope. They give up on life because they don't have the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're thankful that though we go through the same kind of circumstances that people of the world go through, the difference is this. We have the Lord with us. We have the Word of God. We have Christians to fellowship with and to encourage us as well. And it's such a blessing. I love that hymn. You know, it's my probably my favorite one, but trust and obey. And one of the verses says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. When we trust and obey the Lord, we know he goes with us and he'll help us every day of our lives. There was a man named D.M. Panton who wrote some very wonderful words. He said this, He said, the work is solemn, therefore do not trifle. The work is difficult, therefore do not relax. The opportunity is brief. And Adel talked about that last week. Our lives are like a vapor. He says, the opportunity is brief, therefore do not delay. The path is narrow, therefore do not wander. The prize is glorious, therefore do not faint. You know, we have a work to do for the Lord Jesus Christ and we should be about it every day of our lives because he has a plan for our lives. He wants to use us in our lives and he wants us to be able to share with others. And we can be blessed by that. And when we do that, we will have meaning to our life and we will have purpose in our life. John Wesley, the great preacher and evangelist, once said, 
when it comes to the purpose of his life, he found it and he says, I want the whole Christ for my Savior. The whole Christ for my Savior. The whole Bible for my book. The whole church for my fellowship. And the whole world for my mission field. And I thought that was really great. I'll say it again. I want the whole Christ for my Savior. I want the whole Bible for my book. I want the whole church for my fellowship. And I want the whole world for my mission field. He wanted it all. And that's what God's purpose is for our lives today. That we will have meaning and we will have purpose. And then finally, that we will have fulfillment in our lives. You know, to have fulfillment means that you have, you realize completely your ambitions and your potentialities. And God has a potential for you. God has a potential for me. And you're young people out there in the audience today, and maybe you're teenagers, and, and we have a lot of kids in our church too. Your lives are ahead of you. God sees your potential. He doesn't see just where you are now. He sees where he's going to make you. And us older folks, too. He has a plan and a potential for us to, to be blessed as well and for us to serve the Lord. You know, the other day I came across a song. I haven't heard it for years, but it, these songs come to my mind. And what I mentioned it before, it's so great because I can just go online and put in a few words on the song. It'll come up. And, and this was actually a song that was written, too, I think, by the Gaithers. And it, it's so beautiful because a lot of times we, you see people that aren't happy. And they're always looking to make themselves happy, to find happiness, right? And we have found it in Jesus Christ. The Christian song says, I have, I found happiness. I found peace of mind. I have joy of living. Perfect love sublime. I found free contentment. Happy living in accord. I found happiness all the time. Wonderful peace of mind since I found the Lord. And it's a beautiful tune too. If you have a chance, go home, put it on the YouTube and listen to the song. And it is, it is very beautiful. And we as Christians have a joy and a happiness that is beyond the circumstances of life. Because if you look at your circumstances, they're not always happy circumstances, are they? But you have the true abiding joy in Christ. And that's what makes you joyful. And that's what gives you the happiness in your life. There was a story told by J. Oswald Sanders in his book, Facing Loneliness, he said the round of pleasure or the amassing of wealth are but vain attempts to escape the persistent ache. People have aches in their heart, don't they? They have sadness. They have terrible things happen in their life. And yet they don't go to the right source. Christ is the only source. Someone And he went on to say the millionaire is usually a lonely man and the comedian is often more unhappy than his audience. You know, you see that comedian, he's cracking jokes and making people laugh, and yet inside, he's sad too. He's miserable too. He's more miserable than the audience because he doesn't have any answers to life. But when we have Christ, we have every answer to life. He is the answer to life, and we're thankful for that. And he tells a story of a man who is a scholar, a young scholar, his name was... Uh, Martin and Henry Martin, distinguished scholar at the age of 20 years old. He was a Cambridge University student who was honored 
for his achievements in mathematics. And that's pretty good because I'm bad at math. So anybody that knows math really well, I respect them. They're, they're geniuses to me because I'm not very good at math. And yet what? I'm a treasurer, right? So <laughs> that's only the Lord that can do that, right? <laughs> because it's basically a lot simpler math. When you take trigonometry and, and geometry and all these things, they're a little beyond me, but I can do the simple stuff, right? So that's good. So here's this young man who would achieve such success at such a young age, and now he felt emptiness in his heart. And that is so true because you can achieve the highest goals in life and still not be happy or satisfied. So he went on his own and he started to grasp what he really wanted to do. And so he sailed to India and became a missionary. So he's a he's a believer. And at the age of 24, he went to India. And when he arrived, he prayed this prayer. Lord, let me burn out for you. Lord, let me burn out for you. And he did that. He lived only seven more years, but he burned out for his Savior. Gene Gibson used to tell us that. Remember, Bill? He said, it's better. Brothers, he'd say, with his southern drawl, he'd say, brothers, he said, I want to burn out. I don't want to rust out. You know, and I think a lot of Christians are rusty Christians. They're rusting out and not burning out. May the Lord help us to burn out. So he spent seven years translating the New Testament into three, not one, not two, but three difficult Eastern languages. And so these notable achievements were no passing shadows. They were substantive. He left behind all the success of this world and he went to serve his greatest master, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he left behind a legacy of that. May the Lord help us to not find our our happiness, not find our fulfillment, not find our meaning in the things of this world because they're not going to help us whatsoever. A story is told about several men and and what they went through. And they said, happiness is not in unbelief because Voltar, the infidel of the most pronounced type, wrote, I wish I had never been born. He says, happiness is not in pleasure because Lord Byron lived a life of pleasure. And he wrote, the worm, the canker and the grief are mine alone. Happiness and fulfillment in life is not found in money because if it were Jay Gould, the great American millionaire, would have had plenty of that. But when he died, he said, I suppose I'm the most miserable man on earth. Had all this money, miserable man, most miserable man. And he says in the whole earth. And it's not in position or fame because if it was, Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than his share of both. And he wrote at the end, youth is a mistake. Manhood a struggle and old age is a regret. He had everything the world had to offer, but he had nothing spiritually. And then it's not in military glory. And I like this story because it really tells a lot. Alexander the Great conquered all the known world at that time. All the kingdoms of the world were under control of Alexander the Great. Having done so, it says he wept. Because he said there are no more worlds to conquer. So happiness is not in military conquest or power either. Where is happiness found? Where is joy found? It's found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. 
That's why I like that little saying. I put it on my, my escape out there. It says, in Christ alone, my hope is found. And that's true. It's so true. Yes, whether you're a simple young believer or an older Christian, we find our, our, the true meaning of life. We try, we find fulfillment in life. We find purpose in life through the Lord Jesus Christ. I look back and sometimes I read over, uh, the story it found in Ecclesiastes. And it's hard to believe that the same man wrote Proverbs that wrote Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. But he did. He wrote all three of those books. And this man, who's known as the preacher, tried everything that there was known to man to bring him pleasure and fulfillment in life and found that nothing could satisfy him. And he wrote in, in Ecclesiastes 1-2, he says this, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And if you don't know the Lord, that's your verse. Unfortunately, that's your verse. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And another word for vanity is emptiness. People are living empty lives. They're, they're on empty. It's like when you go to your car today, if that little dial there says F, you're fine. But if it says E, you don't have much gas. And so people are running on fumes nowadays, trying to be happy, but not being able to find it. And it's like that in sports today, too. There's that athlete or that coach. It just has to win one more championship, just one more to be satisfied, to be fulfilled. And it doesn't work. Or it's like that entertainer who's just got to write that one more hit song, you know, hit that that platinum record level or whatever. Just one more. Doesn't do it. Or that person that says, if I could just win one more Academy Award before I, I retire. No, it doesn't do it. Because one more leads to one more. And one more leads to one more. And then it's got to be something else and something else and another thing and one more thing to make yourself happy. It's a constant struggle, searching, seeking after these things. It doesn't work. How about the person running for office? Oh, if I could run for president just one more time. I know I'll win this time. I know I'll win this time. And people think if I can just do that one more thing, just get that one more possession, that one more thing, I'll be happy. And it never happens. It's like trying to grasp the wind in your fist. Before you know it, it's it's gone. You're chasing it. It's gone. Bill McDonald wrote a book on Ecclesiastes and he titled his book, Chasing the Wind. Good luck. You're not going to catch it and it's not going to bring you any fulfillment at all. So in conclusion today, let's remember that the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone has given us the true meaning of life. We know why we're here. We know we're sinners, but we're sinners saved by grace. God has opened up the way for us to be saved and to have eternal life. He's given us true meaning in life. We don't have to search for it. We don't have to read books on it. We find the true meaning of life through the Lord Jesus Christ as found in his word. Let's remember Paul's words where he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And let's remember that we can spend our whole lives trying to to find that one thing that we're looking for that Christ has already given it. He's already given it. He's given us the meaning. He's given us the purpose. You have a purpose here. I have a purpose. Let's fulfill that purpose until the Lord comes. And let's remember, He's given us that fulfillment. He's given us 
meaning, He's given us purpose, and He's given us fulfillment. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry, but you don't have meaning. Your life doesn't have meaning. Your life doesn't have purpose and your life does not have fulfillment. You can try to find it, but you're not going to find it. You're grasping for it, but you're not going to find it. But through Christ, you can have eternal life. You can be forgiven of your sins. You just have to come to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have sinned against you. I repent of my sins. I turn from my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Please come into my heart. Save me, Lord. Give me meaning to my life. Give me purpose and fulfillment. And he will. And he'll give you far more than you could ever have anywhere else. He'll make you happier than you've ever been before, giving you a joy that's down deep in your soul. And may the Lord help you to give your life to him today. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the words of Your Word. We thank You that You have given us meaning in life, You've given us purpose, and You've given us fulfillment. We thank You for that salvation is a free gift, Lord. We can never earn it. We can never deserve it. We can never achieve it on our own. But we thank You that when we come to You and ask You to save us, You never turn us away, and You save us for all eternity. Lord, we just thank You for the lives You've given us, Help us to realize what we have in Christ and not to be struggling and striving for things that are going to pass away and be burned up, but help us to seek the kingdom of God and seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us. We just pray and thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen.